0: Welcome to the Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode number 148. Our Sunday worship service for January 12th, 2020 is "Be Forgiveness. It is the second in the series, Legendary Life, inspired by the Bee Attitudes. By embracing the lessons of the past, we make it possible to truly move forward. It's the next line, blessed are they who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Say that with me. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I find some comfort in knowing that it's okay. We, we're going to move on from it because you know that one. It's a simple one. How does it make you feel? How does it make you feel w- with the idea that, you know what, everybody's got something. Let's get that out of the way right now. Everyone has got something that they are ready to forgive, asking for forgiveness about, mourning through, grieving through, rising above. Everybody's got something in their history that that they have been done with, going to get done with. We're all on this journey in one phase or another together. It's okay is my point. Maybe in not so different of a way that when Jesus said it, part of what he was saying, I think, is, it's okay. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It means it's okay if you've had some heartache. It's okay if you've got forgiveness to do. It's okay. You're not alone in that. And I think that that's important because it's so easy to feel like I'm the only one in the room, in the office, at the dining room table, on a big family thing, church. I'm the only one who's got something to work on. Everybody else is just shining new, brand new, just dropped right out of the clouds, just perfect. It's just me. And so people don't talk about it. People don't share what's on their heart. But what we're going to learn today, and part of what's going on in that scripture, is that what is on your heart is the secret, not just to you getting better and getting over it and getting healthy and healed, but is the secret for somebody else too. We are here to share That something, that whatever it is. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Means if you face whatever it is and you learn from it, you don't have to do it again. That's what it means. It means let's get done with it together, but we get done with it by looking at it. You see, we believe in the crucifixion part of the story, but we also believe in the Easter morning part of the story. You got to go all the way with this stuff, right, boys and girls? It, it seems straightforward, but think with me. There's a lot of people who take that little passage all kinds of different ways. You get hung up on the blessing part, on the mourning part, on the comfort part. Because there are lots of people who want to act like they don't have anything to forgive or they never did anything wrong to anybody else. Nice work. I'm impressed. I'm not that guy. There are people who just gloss over whatever it was and act like it didn't happen. I get it, but that's not healthy. There are other people who just stay in the crucifixion part, which makes as much sense in your life as it would in the story of Jesus. There are people who just dwell on it. And what's the Dolly Parton quote? Get off the cross, honey, somebody else needs the wood. You know what I mean. There's no point in emphasizing that, but there are good, faithful, wonderful Christian followers of the teachings of Jesus Christ who read that passage and really think the point of the story is, I need to make myself suffer and feel bad for as long as possible. But that's not what it says, is it? They shall be comforted. Not some other time. The point of that teaching is not if you can make yourself miserable long enough someday. But right now, through this process, and process is the the, the word for the day. Because a big part of this is embracing the journey of it. And we talked about a little bit about that last week, and this week is an expansion of that. If you weren't here for that or you didn't hear that lesson, I encourage you to go back and take a look at that. But what I want you to know is that you didn't just drop out of the clouds, and neither did I, and neither did anybody else. Your life is a wonderful story. Of of victory and challenge and heartache and and rejoicing and everything in between. And all of it is amazing and all of it is beautiful. Your life is a story of those amazing moments where you learn something the easy way. Good for you. And your life is also a story of what happens when you learn it the hard way. Good for you. If you learn. Your life is a story of omelets and eggs sometimes. And that's okay, isn't it? Can it be okay with you that you are in this process and that every part of the journey is worth something? We talk about the Bible a lot, even if we can't get it up on the screen. We talk about the Bible a lot. And it's wonderful to know that the Bible didn't just drop out of the clouds. I mean, I guess it could have gone that way if that was the plan. I think God's capable of all kinds of stuff, right? God. But that's not how it happened. The Bible was written by human beings over a very long period of time. And there's this wonderful game of telephone that we talk about when things are translated and told and retold and moved back and forth. And here's part of the lesson. And the lesson is in Scripture, as in life, meaning develops over time as we look back and decide what was important and what gets carried forward. That's beautiful. Part of the specialness of our Bible is that it didn't just drop out, that we are working on it. This is not just a story about something far away. This is a story about our journey with God. And of course, it is a progressive document, right? Your life is like that. And it's okay that your life is a progressive document. Let us be the kind of people who are okay with the fact that there are pieces of it that we're not done chewing on yet. I don't know why in our culture we have this fixation with things being just completely done and atomic and and unblemished. But when you think about it, that's not really a good thing. What parts of your life really just showed up done you in a committed relationship with somebody you love somebody were they perfect when you met them are they perfect now perfect (laughs) perfection is a journey it's not a destination right nobody's shiny it's okay it's okay We're working on this together when we admit we've got something to work on. The only thing in life I can think of that is actually ready-made is fast food. You say a thing and it just pops out and it's disgusting. This is not a good example of something to live by, is it? Think about it with me. Alton Brown, the TV chef, has got a great quote about fast food. He says, it's made by people and you put it in your body, but these are people that you probably wouldn't even want to hug. His words, not mine, but you know his point. So, what if that's not the ideal? What if instead of wanting everything to be ready-made and done because nothing is really like that, especially anything that's good for you, what if instead of ready-made, what if the fixation was more of a slow-food approach to life? What if we fell in love with the process of it? What if we were okay with knowing Just like with food. How was this grown? Where did this come from? What's the process? How was this made? Tell me about that. Not just with the things you eat, but with the things you love, with the things you aspire to. What if it's okay that there are ups and downs in the journey, that there are blemishes and shiny parts in the journey, that there are things to forgive? What if instead of when you talk to the people you care about, what if instead of saying, how are you done? What did you accomplish? Now, people don't tend to talk that way, but they kind of mean it sometimes. Tell me where you're okay. That's easy. You know, we're supposed to love our enemies. What if we extend that into the idea that we're also supposed to be okay with the rough patches and the people that aren't our enemies? You know what I mean? What if instead of saying, tell me how you're done, what if I say, I'm an actual adult and I'm okay with process. Tell me your journey. Tell me how you solved a problem. Tell me what's hurting your heart because I want to help. Tell me how you got there. Even down to the little things like how do you get up in the morning? How do you get to work? What gets you motivated? When you have a hard time, how do you get through a hard time? Tell me what your thing is. Now that's an interesting conversation and that will open doors in your relationship with somebody else too. Tell me your journey, not your destination because nothing ever ends like we talked about last week. What I want you to know is the things In life that we may not be comfortable talking about the scars let's say might be the most healing part about us if we let ourselves be okay with it I mean think about the way that that Jesus worked with people did he tell people act like nothing ever happened did he tell the lepers you know what put on some bronzer and no one can tell just hold your hand funny and it'll look like you still have an arm did he say that Did he tell people to act like they didn't have problems? No, of course not. But he also didn't say that the fact that you have problems means you're not worthy of these teachings. You're not worthy of this life. He also didn't say dwell on the problems. Be real wounded all the time. For they shall be comforted. Comforted. Jesus himself showed up after the whole Easter thing with scars. Bless you. Has that ever sounded funny to you when you read that part, when you heard that part of the Easter story, the resurrection story? Here's a guy who healed people, didn't require a dermatologist, he had scars. You think he could have handled that after the whole uh, resurrecting from the dead? But the scars were important. He showed up to the disciples, and we get that phrase, Doubting Thomas, from the fact that the disciple Thomas didn't get it, didn't understand that it was Jesus, and Jesus said, Look, this happened. This happened. And now let's get over it, Tommy. (laughs) A little bit of a paraphrase. But you get the point. He had the scars, and he used them to move forward and teach. That's what we can do. We've got stuff to forgive and stuff to grow through, and it's okay as long as we use that to grow instead of dwelling on the problem. That's the trick. Now, when we read the Scriptures, we know that a lot of times when the disciples talked to Jesus, they called him teacher, rabbi, savior, way shower, all of those things that we love to say. But people outside of the crew, outside of the club, do you know what they most often said when Jesus came came a-running? When Jesus came to town? You know what they called him? They said, here comes Mary's son. Now, that doesn't have the same impact now, I think, in the 21st century that it would have then. But think about what you know about the Bible. Whether or not you're a Bible scholar, you know that a lot of times it's this guy is the son of this guy, who begat this guy, who begat this guy, and so on. There's a lot of begats and begots and begotes, I guess. But anyway, it's maybe a sexist thing, but I'm not here to talk about that today. The idea is it comes down through the daddy. That's the deal. And so here comes Mary's son is a fancy way of saying, here's that guy that doesn't have a daddy. And as I say, that might not land now the way it did then. But better believe me when I say that back then it was meant as a slap. It was meant as a scar. Ha ha, you don't have a daddy. That's what it meant. Jesus didn't act like uh, that wasn't a thing. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't do anything about it. He said, you know what, you're exactly right because they who do the will of God, my Father in heaven, call no man on earth your Father. All of those quotes that you know so well, he ran with it. He didn't tell Mary to hide. You know she was there for the important parts of all of this. He used that thing that people felt was a weak point and he made it into a strength, into into a healing point. That's what you are called upon to do. That's what we are called upon to do together is to emphasize our growing places so that we can grow. And I think that this is an important point right here. So often when I say stuff like that, people say, does that mean that that I should go looking for trouble? Does that mean if you tell me that, that my scars and my rough patches and my healing places are somehow holy, no pun intended, do you mean that, that, that I should go looking for scars? Thank you for getting the joke. I appreciate that. Um, I didn't mean it. Um, does it mean I should go looking for trouble I'll go looking for scars? And my answer to that is yes and no, and I'll tell you why. This week, two really important things happened in our household in the Randolph uh, estate Uh, (laughs) Two amazing things happened. Thing one, if you follow me on social media, you saw that we got a brand new composter from the city of St. Petersburg. It's amazing. It looks like a Dalek from Doctor Who. It's this thing that just showed up at our house. And we have tried to compost before, and usually it's just Jenny doing it and the rest of the people in the house are like, yeah, that's great. I'm throwing this in the garbage because I don't know how that thing works and turning the thing and doing the... But now it's more serious and it's a thing and it's a real victory because we really believe in our house that we should do everything we can to be good stewards to the environment and all of that. It's a big deal. It's really cool to be able to take what felt like waste and use it to move forward. Sound familiar? That's cool. But the other thing that happened that brought us back down to right now instead of a future concern is that our garbage disposal died. We had a quiet ceremony. No, it was a big deal. And I spent a lot of time on the internet going, and there's a lot of people going, well, if it leaks from here and if it leaks from here, you can just replace the Framerstat valve and you can do. The way mine was dying from the bottom and it was where the wiring was and like everything under the sink. And you can imagine no one has ever suffered as greatly as I did. I've never changed a guy to garbage disposal before. I learned that it involves a lot of swearing. but And I did it. It was not a big deal. It was only a few hours but that we were disposal But in those few hours, our household was paralyzed. We couldn't do anything, it seems like. Maybe you felt this pain in one way or another. In one way or another, maybe you know what it is to not be able to get rid of something. There's my point. And everything that comes along with that. Your inability to get rid of something stinks up the house, man. You know exactly what I mean. In the future, we will compost more and more and use that and it's great. We'll all wear Birkenstocks all the time. It's going to be a beautiful world. But in the meantime, I need to be able to put some stuff down the disposal. That's just how it is. So with that in mind, let me go back to the question. Do I need to go looking for trouble? Do I need to go looking for scars? Does it have to happen that way? What I want you to know is that moving forward, now that you are smarter than you have ever been before, you feel more deeply than you have ever felt before, you are more authentically you as a child of God than ever before because you can't unlearn a true thing. You don't have to stumble in order to know how to walk. You don't have to hurt in order to know how to heal in the future. But those things that have happened in the past, those moments when you did a dumb, goofy thing and you hurt somebody's feelings or whatever, or somebody hurt yours or whatever, those things in the past, they had to happen. I'm sorry. I don't ever want you to hurt. I love you. But they had to happen because you are you now. And apparently, that's what your mind, your heart, your consciousness was ready for in that moment. And you can decide to stay on the cross about that all you want. Or you can go, well, I got here. What now? That is the question that parts the Red Sea. What now? What shall I do about it now? Shall I ask for forgiveness? Shall I forgive somebody else? Or do I just sit here in this while the Pharaoh's army approaches? What do I do? What now? That's the question. So I hope when you hear blessed are they who mourn, I hope that you feel comforted by that. But more than that, I hope you feel energized by it. Because it should be a call to action. It should be marching orders to say, you know what, yes, I've got some hurty stuff and I'm ready to not hurt. There is no nobility in suffering. There is nobility in overcoming the suffering, in facing it, and, here's the word, forgiving it. Now, you know as well as I do that forgiveness was a very big deal for Jesus. He was kind of the forgiveness guy. That's what it said on his business card. Jesus Christ, Palestine's forgiveness guy. You like that? You know the forgive 70 times 7. You know the math behind that 7 was a big number because it takes that amount of time to get through a week. And so that's a big deal. It's kind of like how we say, if I told you once, I told you a million times, you know, inflation being what it is. And somebody said, do I forgive 70 times? Which seems like an astronomical number. And Jesus said, you know the quote. He said 70 times 7 times. In other words, until you can't even remember, until it's not a thing anymore, until you can't remember what you're forgiving, until you're done. That's how many times you forgive until it's not a thing. Over and over again, Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. Over and over again, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and even so, he tells us to love our neighbor as ourself, which I love because when you really think about what love thy neighbor as thyself means, part of what it means is you've got to love yourself. That might be the hardest part of the whole equation for some folks. I get it. Because you better than anybody else knows where you've been and what you've done. But the prescription is to love yourself and to extend that, to use that momentum to apply to somebody else, to forgive somebody else. Jesus says if you're going to go into the temple and you got a grudge against your brother, don't go in there. Go make peace. Go make peace. Why is that? Because he wants to have a nice time in temple? Remember, he did some pretty rough things in the temple. There were some chairs kicked over. There were some real Housewives of New Jersey moments in that temple. It wasn't about being pleasant, was it? It was about this. Here's the equation. What you bring into the presence of God is magnified in your life. What you bring into the presence of God, it's like a spiritual Xerox machine. What you bring into the presence of God, you get more of. So don't bring hate in there. Don't bring a grudge in there. Don't bring your anger in there. Don't bring an unresolved issue in there. This is like a cosmic metaphysical version of don't go to bed angry. Don't go to God angry unless you want more stuff to be mad about. That's the teaching. But let's sit on that for a minute and understand that Jesus also said, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. So, if what I bring into the house of God is what I get more of, but if the whole thing is the house of God, if God is everywhere, then this becomes way more than a Sunday morning concern. Forgiveness needs to be a way of life for me. Because I don't want any more of the stuff that hurts. It's no fun. I want to get over it. I want to learn from it. I want to forgive. And there are those people who say, well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. You ever heard that? Sounds good. It sounds like a tattoo. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. It's, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. And it makes you sound tough. You can imagine the leather jacket. And it's also complete garbage. I'll forgive, but I won't forget. means you didn't forgive. That's the opposite of 70 times 7. I'll forgive, but I won't forget it. You know how I feel about that? Look, I, I, I don't believe in a lot of conspiracy stuff. I, I, I believe that the earth is round. I don't have a problem with uh, with uh, chemtrails. I don't think the government is trying to put stuff in my water that's going to make me, I don't know, watch primetime television. I don't know what the, what the thing is. I don't believe any of that. And I'm not here to judge anybody. If you've got things about that, God bless you. You figure it out. But you and I both know there are people who are all about it, where every conversation you have with them is about, oh, don't drink that water. Oh, look at the sky. Everything gets back to the fact that the earth is shaped like a a banana or whatever it is. You know what I mean. You know people where it's, oh, it's it's the guy. It's the flat earth guy in every conversation. You have unfriended that person on Facebook more than once. You know what I mean? When someone says, think about, think about how you feel when you had to deal with that person. That's how I feel when someone says, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Because it's not different. It's the same thinking that gets you fixated on some weird conspiracy. It's because somebody's afraid. It's because somebody wants to know something. It's because somebody doesn't want to be hoodwinked. It's the fear that says, I want to be in on the scheme. I want to be in on the conspiracy. I want to know a thing, and I get it. But let's be the kind of people who aren't defined by our grudges anymore. It's gross. It's not tough. It's gross. But I'll put that a different way, just to let the cat out of the bag, and I am saying this on the Internet, so it must be true. There is a conspiracy. There is. The universe is conspiring in your favor it's true. You believe it or not, it's true. The government doesn't want you to know. Those people don't want you to know. It's a conspiracy. The universe is conspiring in your favor. And I know that because here you are through everything that you have been through good times and bad times and successes and failures and and triumph and heartache and all of it. Here you are. And what that means is through all of it, someone has looked out for you and guided you and brought you what you needed in order to get to the next thing. It did not just work because of your ego and the strength of your back, even if it seemed like it at the time. Look at your life, and you know there are times you can't explain that way. The universe is conspiring in your favor, but here is the thing. If you're writing stuff down, here's the thing I want you to know. God will take care of you to the degree that you let him. You are so powerful that you can get in the way of that. You are so powerful and so free and so strong that you can make it hard to receive your own good. That's how strong you are. God will take care of you. The universe has brought you here. And it's going to get easier when you let God do what God do. When you let go of some things. When you're not defined by your scars but by your ability to heal. It's okay to have things that you need to forgive. Forgive them. Let's move on. It's so much fun stuff to do. Some people minimize the whole forgiveness thing. I've heard people say when they're hurting, well, you know, I am hurting and I am heartbroken and there's that thing. But it's not as bad as those other people. And that sounds noble in a way, but that's no more cool than holding the grudge. I don't deserve to feel good because there are people that feel worse than me. Does that sound crazy to you? You've heard people say it. I have said it. I admit it. I have said it. Because what I really mean when I say that is I do not want to deal with this thing that hurts. Somebody else is hurting worse than me. Do you believe there's only so much heartache to go around? You know, people in China would be really happy to finish all your heartache for you. (laughs) Is that how it works? Here's the thing. You deserve to feel the way you feel. When somebody says, I don't deserve to feel bad because there are other people who are feeling bad, what they're really saying is, I'm not worth healing. And guys, let's not say it anymore. Because what I want you to know is the things that hurt for you are real, they are happening. And you are worth them not happening anymore. It doesn't matter. There's no contest who can suffer the most. America's next top martyr. There's no such thing. I would watch that, but there's no such thing. Some people, uh, thats I've described their childhood. But anyway, there's no such thing. We're going to get over it together. We're going to understand that, that it doesn't work that way. None of it works that way. We're going to learn how to forgive. So, your homework. This week, take a minute forgive somebody there's somebody you don't have to talk to them you don't have to go there you don't have to show up you don't have to call them on the phone you don't have to be in the room with them because some of the people you need to forgive you should not be in their presence because it's a toxic thing you know about tough love and all that but forgive somebody this week in the process, you'll learn that you know what it wasn't about you in the first place because if they were going to do that thing, whatever that terrible thing is they did, they would have done it if you hadn't have been there. Someone else would have walked through the, the scope, you know, and they would have been in the shot. You just happen to be you. Everything we do is between us and God. So let your forgiveness be between you and God. There's someone that you can love and bless, whether it's in person or from a distance. Forgive someone this week. It's your homework. Part one, there's a B to that A. Use the momentum that you create to forgive yourself. It's okay. Whatever you did, the three o'clock in the morning thing, oh, I said that dumb thing in fifth grade. We're all here to heal. But the healing doesn't happen until you admit it. The healing doesn't happen until you let go. The healing doesn't happen until you set it free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much.